0: Good morning. good morning. It's good to have this number out with us for our morning half of our worship service here at Booth Chapel. Uh, I got a lesson prepared this morning. It's one of my first sermons preached here at Booth Chapel. I'm going to do a recap. I, I know y'all have heard this one before. We're going to hear it again. But well, we're going to have a little bit different of a lesson. I got a lot of scripture to cover. And toward the end of this lesson, or toward the end of the reading of the scripture, is where this lesson really hits home. So if you will be turning with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Again, this is the uh, the three parables that we're going to cover. But the second one, is, of course, i uh referenced so many times that prodigal son. But well, we're not going to think about that prodigal son. We're going to cover him a little bit. But we're going to really focus on the elder son. The reason why these uh, parables are being taught. Listen to Luke chapter 15. Well, previous to this, Christ had been teaching. He had been instructing folks. He is previous to this in Luke 14 verses 25 through 33. He's teaching the thought of counting the cost, leaving all to follow Christ or following him. In doing so, we have to be ready to give up the world, give up ourselves, so to speak, and ready to give God our everything. And then he says, tasteless salt is worthless. That tasteless salt that's Useful for nothing, it's cast out. The parable that we're going to be referring to this morning is the three: the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, which has the elder son in it. Notice in verse uh, chapter 15, verse one: Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him. After he hear these things, giving up all things to follow me and taste the solace worthless in previous to this to the other things that he has been teaching. These folks draw near to hear him. What does he do? He accepts them. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't send them away. He allows them to come and listen to him. The Pharisees take note of this in verse two. And the Pharisees and scribes complain saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. They didn't like that thought. These are unclean people. They They don't need to be here. They need to be cast out. They need to be separated. They are not worthy to be here was what their minds were thinking. They were complaining. This man sits down and eats with sinners. Christ hears their words. And of course, he uses the three parables. He speaks to them in verse 3 and verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and to go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. They understood this parable. They understood the worth of a sheep, and that one that got astray, they would have had to go and look for it to bring it back. Well, here Christ uses an example of someone being lost, yet found again, The idea of rejoicing, verse 7, there's not only rejoicing in, in earth, there's also rejoicing in heaven. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Again, the relationship with the scribes and the Pharisees thinking they were better than anybody else with that look at me holier than thou thought that they had Oh, it just kind of flew all over Christ. I could I could just see that thought. Says, okay, I, this needs to be said. These folks are yearning for righteousness. They're yearning for a way. And I'm giving it to them. You're going to complain? You're going to rebuke them? Of course not. Because we want rejoicing in heaven as well in earth for that one sinner. That, of course, that example there, that one sheep that was lost, or that sinner who was lost and was found. And in verse 8, how about the lost coin? Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Here we see that one coin being lost. We see it, a silver coin was kind of worth quite a bit there. Here we see this woman having ten of them loses one. So she prepares to illuminate the house sweep every nook and cranny look every place this coin could be until she finds it lo and behold in verse 9 she founds it and when she has found it she calls her friends and neighbors together saying rejoice with me for i have found the peace which i lost here again we see the the shepherd or the owner of the sheep excuse me the owner of the sheep going out finding the lost sheep Rejoicing with his friends and neighbors, we see here the woman who lost just the piece of the one piece of silver calls her friends rejoicing, again rejoicing on earth for someone who wants to yearns for righteousness. Verse ten. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We might ask, what's repent? That's, that's Some folks might not know what the word repent means. It means to turn away from. It means to turn away from sin and iniquity and back to God and yearn for righteousness is what repentance means. It means to stop doing the things that are iniquitous in God's eyes. That's what the word repent means. It means to turn away. Christ says in verse 10, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in, In the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents now this is the one person or excuse me this coin that was once part of the ten now she only has nine the ones lost we're gonna clean the house we're gonna search for it now we're gonna seek for it because the difference there is I'm gonna find it just like the owner of the sheep went into the wilderness to go look or seek his sheep I ain't stop until I find it. That's how the gospel works in folks' hearts. That's how these tax collectors and the sinners in verse 1 was yearning for. They was ready to give up. They was ready to listen to Christ. They was ready to give up themselves until they, Pharisees, the scribes, rebuked them. And in verse 11 through... Where did it go? 24, we see the prodigal son, or the younger son of the two. We're going to have to read through this swiftly and then cover it briefly. Verse 11, Then he said, Christ still teaching this idea of someone needing repentance. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that have followed me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, Journeyed to a far country and there it wasted his possessions with prodigal living, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to begin to be in want, and then he went and journeyed himself to a joined excuse me joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. That's another significance, and he would gladly have fitted his stomach filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and i perish with hunger i will rise and go to my father and will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you and i am no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants made up his mind first two action ensued and he arose and came to his father but he was still a great way off his father saw him had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and the son said to him father I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants bring out the best robe put it on him put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this is my son was dead, and is alive again, and was lost and is found. And they began to be married. All right, let's stop there in verse 24 before we move into the actual meaning of, well, excuse me, the climax of this parable. So we see a, a younger son looking at the world. We see the younger son ready to depart from himself, from his father. So he does so. He says, Father, give me the things that's coming to me, my inheritance. I want it now. So he took it and left and went to a far country and wasted all of his inheritance. That was promised to him in the end. He got it then and wasted it. And he had nothing, nothing at all. And he began to be in want. Basically, he needed a job. He needed a way to survive. He needed sustenance. He became hungry. There was a famine there so he joined himself with a fellow citizen that fellow citizen the significance of that part is that person would have been an unclean person would have been a Gentile this is a Jewish man this example of Christ is given he would have been considered unclean at this time again this citizen gave him the job to feed swine again another unclean act he wasn't supposed to be anywhere near those pigs they would have been an unclean animal. Again, he was in a sad state, was he not? He was in a horrible situation. Then he recognized he was starving. He said he would have in verse sixteen. Christ says he would have been happy to have filled his stomach with the things that the swine was eating. You ever seen what swine eat? I know. I know. Back on grandmother's farm, they ate slop. They ate leftovers. All this stuff just mixed together. Turned your nose up, and those hogs gladly received it. And they ate it. Could you imagine jumping in there with them and eating it? This is how bad shape he was. Christ uses this as an example. Take notice who he's talking to. Scribes, Pharisees, the chief priests, the elders. He was referring to all of them. You had an opportunity to be spiritual. You had an opportunity to be with God, but yet still you're rebuking me. You're rebuking these folks who are yearning for righteousness to hear my word. You have separated yourself from God. But these folks have been separated. They need to come back. They need a way. They need to be able to come back. So here, this example is this younger son was in a horrible state to be in a state that would jump in there with those hogs or those pigs or those swine to eat what they're eating. He was rather hungry, was he not? You're right, Mark. He was starving. The spiritual relationship with this, they were starving spiritually and they were dying. Verse 17 But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough alone and to spare? And I perish with hunger because I left my father. I'm starving to death because I left. I should have stayed, I should have hung around. I did not. I left. Now I'm perishing. And he makes up his mind in verse 18. This is significant and when I really focus on this lesson. I will arise and go to my father. When he came to himself, recognizing his, higher, his father's higher servants was better off than he was right now, he says, well, I'm going to go back. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He says, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. I've, I don't deserve that right anymore. Make me like one of your servants. Just a hireling." So he makes up his mind, right? He, he, he recognizes where he needs to be. But that wasn't enough, was it? Just making up his mind wasn't enough. So he says, okay. I need to make a change. I need to come back. I need some something different. I'm on the wrong path because I'm dying here and my father's servants are better off than I am and they have enough to spare and have extra. Exactly. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. See there? Made up his mind and put it into action. Here we see these tax collectors and sinners in verse one hearing Christ's teachings, the things that are difficult yet still promised, and better off in eternity to obey God, they want to hear this to come back to their father, to come back and and hunger and thirst for righteousness is only one place one can be filled in the eyes of God. Then it was Christ's teachings. The apostles weren't around yet. It was just Christ. The apostles were actually disciples at this time. And he arose and came to his father. But notice this. uh, Characteristics of God. But when he was a great way off. This is still the younger son. When his younger son was still a great way off. What's the father doing? His father saw him. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He seen his son coming. He was looking for him to come back. He wasn't saying, well, he'll come back whenever he gets ready. No, he was looking for him. It's like he was looking down the street. Let me look far as I can. He got his hand over his eyes, taking a peek, seeing far as he can. And he sees his son and he runs to him. He had compassion on him. He accepted him back. Oh, does that not sound like God or what? God welcomes us back when we turn away from our sad, lowly state. When we make up our minds to give up the world, come back to him, we have to do so, but we got to come back to him. Not just making up our minds is enough. So his father embraced him. Verse 21, And the son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Wait a minute. His father didn't. Let him finish because, excuse me, up here in verse 19, he was going over the speech in his mind. Make me like one of your hired servants. We don't see that there. His father cut him off. Christ used this as an example. Said, you're my son. You're going to continue to be my son. Yeah, you was an erring son. You was a prodigal son. You was a wasteful son. You left me, but yet still you were still my son. Sound familiar? As an erring child of God, we're yet still a child of God, but yet still we've separated ourselves from it, needing to come back, needing to make up our mind where we are in a sad, lonely state, like jumping in that trough with those hogs, eating that. That's kind of horrible, isn't it? That's what we look like in God's eyes, but yet still we're still His children because we have put Christ on. But unfortunately, we turn our backs on him when we stand, and when we fall short. But then we come to the elder son. I'm going to try to get this really quick. I'm running out of time real quick. Like. Before I do that, the, the, the father rejoiced. He says, bring the fatted calf. Put the robe, the best robe on him. For he is once dead and alive. He was lost and now he is found. And they began to be married. There's this celebration going on. The elder son hears it. In Christ's parable, the elder son hears this thing that's happening, so he becomes angry. He doesn't have compassion at all for his once dead, now alive brother, once lost, and now alive brother. Oh, we see the attitude of the Pharisees, we see the attitude of the scribes in this parable. Christ used this specifically. He's teaching them a point, and still they don't grab it. But he's teaching them a point. When someone comes to yearn and seek for righteousness, let's help them. Let's help them achieve righteousness. Let's help them attain being a child of God. But yet still the older son, he says, no, nope, I'm mad at you, Father. I'm mad at you. Oh, we see the outcome of the Pharisees and scribes of their negative attitude toward those who were seeking and yearning, even though they weren't Jews, even though they were sinners, even though they were Republicans. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house and heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Though, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment and at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. I might that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, uh, not my brother, but as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is your horse. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is Found The older brother was angry that the fatted calf was killed. And the father told the older son, you've been here with me. All that I have is yours. But when he got angry, when he rebuked his, his brother, whenever he says it in verse 30, but as this son of yours, not my brother, why does he not say my brother? Because he was not recognizing him as his brother anymore. Oops. Love had escaped him. Christ uses as an example, showing those scribes and Pharisees the attitude for the lost has got to be a good one. Because if we don't have compassion for the lost, and if we rebuke them, if we turn them away, how else are they going to be saved? They're not. They're not. Their spirituality is going to be turned off. And they're going to run as fast as they can away. This son knew what it meant to be in the world. He knew what it meant to be dead spiritually. That's why Christ uses this as an example. Previous to this, the lost sheep, the lost coin, all were found. The father there, or the prodigal son, was happy that his son come back safe and sound. For he was once dead and is now alive. Those tax collectors and those sinners was yearning for righteousness. They was wanting to hear Christ's teachings. Of course he accepted them. Of course he allowed them to sit around him to listen to what he was teaching. Because right after this, a few years later, what's he going to do? He's going to go to the cross for them. He's going to go to the cross for those who were complaining. He was going to go to the cross for you. So how is our attitude toward the lost? Is our attitude toward the loss a good one? Those who come back, it's got to be a good one. Words of encouragement go a long way for someone who has realized they don't want anything to do with the world. As one is humbling and thirsting for righteousness, we need to help them to be filled. We need to help them with our encouragement. Are we encouraging those who are turned away? Encouraging them to come back? I seriously hope so. Because that's exactly what Jesus Christ was doing here. He was rebuking those scribes. He was rebuking those Pharisees for their attitude. They needed to embrace those individuals, and they did. That's where they stumbled. One of their stumblings, that's where they faltered. Let's make sure we're not faltering this morning. So my question and my encouragement this morning, we covered the prodigal son a little more than I had expected. Notice what sad state he was in. You notice he was unclean when he joined himself to that citizen of that far country. He was also unclean yet again as he was coming in contact with those swine. Are we unclean this morning? Have we left our heavenly father? A sinful act would do that. That's just that, just like that younger son saying, Give me what's coming to me, and I'm going to go. That's exactly what sinful act does to us. Let's cast off those sinful acts that we do. Let's get forgiveness of that this morning through repentance. Do you need to come forward? Do you need to get forgiveness of the sins that you're involved in? Stop doing them. Come back to him. God is waiting for you to come back, just like the father of the prodigal son and of the older son with his bad attitude for his returning brother. He's waiting for you to come back. Do you need to come back this morning? Why don't you do so as you stand? And you sing a song of imitation.